0: That is. On the reverse takes the shot and scores. Oh, out What a shot. No. Oh, brilliant goal. What a wonderful, counter champion goal. You're listening to Totally Pro League. This is hockey. Oh, it's a finish. There's a deflection shot. Beats the keeper. Play way on. There's a shot. Goes goal play. Welcome once again to Totally Pro League, the show that's all about FIH Pro League Hockey. Uh, my name's John Lee, I'll be your host this week for episode number two, and it's uh, just me again this week, but next week we will debut our first co-host on the program, so that's looking like been something excited. we're featuring also a little bit of audio that we managed to get from the uh, weekend's Pro League Games. Uh, Matt and I as part of the reverse stick We're both at the Australia Great Britain game so we've got our own audio there we don't have to ask for permission from anybody and uh, yeah there'll be little changes as I mentioned last week as we move ahead with this podcast try and get it perfect if ever that's possible uh, so if you have any suggestions or there's things you'd like to hear or there's things you'd rather not hear perhaps my voice for instance um, send them along John at the reverse stick Dot net. That's the email to send them to and I'll get all of those and, uh, we can start fine tuning our little program here. But let's get into the results from the weekend. And we'll kick off with the men's side of the, uh, competition. And first up, the Spain took on Netherlands at Estadio Batero in Valencia. Another 11am start there. And, uh, wow, what a fascinating game this was. <laughs> I'm not sure halfway through the game anybody saw this coming. Uh, final score of 3-all, a draw, so one point to each team. And then in the shootout, the Spanish got over the top of the Netherlands for that bonus point. 3-1. Looking at how the game panned out. Now, at the end of the first period, the Dutch got off to a very good start. They were 2 nil up. Uh, the first goal coming in the 12th minute, number 25, Thierry Brinkman, guess who? Uh, slotted home a field goal and they followed it up in the 14th minute, just two minutes later. Number 16, it was Mirko Preusser. Gee, if you could have picked two blokes that might have scored for the Netherlands, <laughs> you're not going far wrong with those two. Two field goals to take the score into 2-0 at quarter time. Uh, Spain picked up their game in the second quarter. Uh, Kept the goal, well, kept Netherlands goalless, but couldn't manage to put one on the board for themselves. Now, this is one of the games where there appears no statistics, so I'm sort of flying a little bit blind here. I've seen some of the highlights, but it's hard to get a uh, real feel for the game. Except from uh, the details I have in front of me. Um, so going a half-time 2-0 up, Netherlands would have been thinking, well, we're in the lead, it's ours to keep. And, but 2-0 is the worst scoreline in world sport for many reasons. They did increase their lead though in the third period the Netherlands scored in the 38th minute through number 34 it was Yeli Galima who uh, picked up a field goal there so three field goals to the Netherlands Uh, but Spain hit back just before three quarter time number 25 um, Paul Quamada picking up a field goal so 3-1 was a score going in at three-quarter time. All field goals, it must be said. Um, and the, the fourth quarter pretty much started out uh, as the rest of the game had been. Uh, Netherlands generally controlling the game. However, Spain have this <laughs> uncanny knack, don't they, of just turning it on for long enough. And they certainly did that in the third quarter um, in the 51st minute. It was number 22 for Spain, uh, Albert Bertrand, who managed to pick up another field goal. That made the score 3-2. And then what must be said, a frantic last couple of minutes uh, and Spain in the 60th minute plus, the end of the game essentially. Uh, penalty corner, <laughs> and number five, it was Mark Sarahima who's Got the uh, stick on the ball and set the game into overtime, as I said, in the 60-plus minutes. So whistle had blown and uh, taking that short corner. So once again, two of the three games that uh, Spain's played in, they've uh, been attacking at the end of the game, managed to score a goal and take the game into uh, a penalty shootout, which they won. Uh, amazing scenes there. It was a good shootout for Spain, um, and for their goalie, Kiko Cortez, Um Sergi, Sergei Enrique, uh, Ladi Zavi Lineart and, uh, uh, Josep Ramu all managed to score goals for the Spanish while only Yorit Kroon could get the ball past Kiko. And I'm sure that would make Kiko Cortez the, uh, Matt Allen shootout player of the game uh, intriguing game and certainly one from And reading the social media posts as it was happening I couldn't get near a TV screen unfortunately um, certainly this, the Spanish turned it on no one saw it coming I think many people after that third goal went in in the 38th minute were expecting that you know that uh, they just keep rolling on but credit to Spain and as I mentioned they're Proving that they've, uh, it's, it's in them. The Spanish, the, the big comeback. And, uh, that frantic final minutes, um couple of minutes, uh, Sergey Enrique picked up a, a, green card in the 60th minute, and, uh, as did Mirko Preusser. So both of those players were off the field when that final goal was scored. You can't say one team got more of an advantage out of that than the other, perhaps. Uh, fascinating game. We'll find out what it means table-wise a little bit later on. Let's move on to the next game, which was, uh, played at the Nugapuna Wai Hockey Stadium in Christchurch. Kicking under, getting underway at 7pm local time there. And it was New Zealand versus Germany. And, uh, as probably predicted the Germans were a little bit too strong for the New Zealanders they opened the scoring just after half time in the 32nd minute it was uh, number 22 Marco Milkau, who uh, managed to score the first goal a field goal and they struck again in the 40th minute with a penalty corner to number nine Nicholas Velland took a 2-0 uh, lead into uh, three quarter time after having been nil all half time and uh, a couple more goals, one to each team in the final period. New Zealand picked up a goal in the 49th minute to number 22, uh, which is Blair Tarrant, their captain. Uh, a field goal there, and at that point you were probably thinking, wow, New Zealand get another one, it's on. But the Germans managed to stand fast and got the clincher, it would be said, in the 56th minute. And again, number 22, this time for the other side, and it was Marco Miltkow who uh, managed to pick up the double there for Germany as they took out that game 3-0. Certainly when you look at the statistics, the game was very much in favour of the Germans. 21 circle entries to 12, 12 shots on target to 7, and 64% of uh, the possession... A staggering 74% in the first quarter there uh, when they didn't actually manage to score. Uh, it's quite intriguing. So uh, a good good win for Germany. Uh, probably they would have been disappointed losing to the Australians last weekend. Coming back there with a good win over New Zealand. And it's going to be a long haul for the New Zealanders, you'd think. Uh, they would be hoping to have uh, picked up a few more points out of their home games. And they've got to head overseas very shortly. So um you know, if they're going to make an impact in this competition, they're going to have to start doing it really quickly. And the final men's game for the weekend was one here in our own backyard in Perth. It was Australia versus Great Britain. The game we uh, went to as part of the reverse stick, Matt Alan and myself. And it was fantastic to get along there. We'll be covering all of uh, that, our Pro League experience in the Reverse Stick podcast, which will be coming out a few hours after this one. And we do have a little bit of audio that we will uh, fit in during the program as well that we took from the press conferences. Um, we'll hear from Adam Dixon very shortly. But first of all, let's get through the game. And it was a 2 0 victory to Australia. They led uh, the, after the first period 1-0 thanks to a goal to number 25 Trent Mitten after a great run it must be said um, from young Tom Craig and uh, gee if you watch him in action he (laughs) it's funny because uh, I'm not sure that he gets around the field quite anonymously at times but when he goes bang with it as he did when Australia scored that goal he took the ball he ran and uh no one was getting his way he 's quite a big lad, and he gets a bit of a head to steam up and he uh he basically bullied his way through the the British defense and um set up Trent Minton for that goal there that was in the thirteenth minute score one nil at, at uh, quarter time then at half time Australia had extended their lead to two nil, thanks to uh number nine and that is Jacob Anderson, the new boy on the block. It must be said he's <laughs> he 's got a knack of scoring goals he 's uh Pretty well going at a goal a game these days, I think. Well, just under a goal a game. So if he keeps that up for his career, he's going to be one of the legends of the sport. 2-0 at half time, and that's where the game stayed. Great Britain tried desperately to get back into the game, but as you'll hear in some of the questioning in uh, other podcasts like the TRS, um, it's very much the Australian press that held them out. Um, Great Britain had great difficulty getting through, and even though the statistics say Great Britain had 52% of the, the possession over the game, and did, in fairness, have a lot more of the ball, it should be said than the Australians. They just most of it was in their back half, and they they couldn't get any decent penetration on the Australians, who just managed to held it out. They did defend very well. You know, the the first goal to Australia was almost it was brutally. Blunted into them. Um, second goal. It could have been a third as well. Um, Tom Wickham missing a straight up seagull there. He'd be shaking his head wondering what went on. And hopefully he's having to buy his teammates a beer as well. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good game. Played at high intensity. We enjoyed it. The crowd certainly enjoyed it. Fantastic crowd there at the, uh, Perth Hockey Stadium. Over 4,500 people, so good turnout for Hockey WA and a fairly entertaining game for the crowd as well. There was uh, one issue the crowd was talking about before the game. It was a rather warm day, beautiful as far as locals here in Perth are concerned, but uh, the sun was out, it was blazing, and the Perth Hockey Stadium's not necessarily the place you want to be standing in the middle of when there is a blazing sun happening. So many in the crowd were wondering if the heat would have any effect on the game, and we asked Great Britain Captain Adam Dixon after, if uh, if he felt there was anything in that. Well, we've been here for a week, this is the end of a long week, Uh, good four training sessions in this sort of midday heat, we've put our sessions in the middle of the day to try and Um, You know, reproduce what was going to feel like and and be like today. Um, uh, It's part It's part of the game, isn't it? You've got to you've got to be ready to play in any condition. So I'm I'm not going to use that as an excuse whatsoever. It's tough for the Aussies. It's tough for us. So yeah. Adam Dixon, there, the Great Britain captain. Uh, Yep, he's right. Doesn't matter. It's going to be cold in some places too, and they're going to have to put up with that as well. It was great getting the opportunity, though, to speak to the players and the coaches after the game like that. And um, well done to everybody that we did speak to because they were quite happy to do so and uh, were very friendly about doing it. So thank you very much for that. What does that mean as far as the table goes? Uh, It's going to take a while before this actually slips into some sort of order that you can read much in. At the moment, Belgium sits on top at 75%. They've had two wins and a shootout win from the four games they've played and a shootout loss. Uh, so you get two points for a shootout win and one point for a shootout loss. There's no draw column anymore as such. Uh, so that gives them a total of nine points, four games, 75%. Great Britain are in second place despite their loss to Australia. They've had two wins and a loss. They're on 66.7%. The Netherlands uh, played three games. Only the one win... But they have a shootout win and a shootout loss, so that's two points for the shootout win and one point for the shootout loss, which gives them a grand total of six, same as Great Britain, and on 66.7%. Uh, a few more goals against, so a slight two-goal goal difference there, three to one, so it puts the Great Britain and brother the Netherlands, Australia are in fourth place. They've played the four games for two wins, a loss in a shootout and a loss full stop. That's seven points. So even though they've got more points than both the Netherlands and Great Britain, their percentage is only 58.3%. Having played that one more game, so they're in fourth place. Germany have played the two games for a win and a loss. Three points and on 50%. Spain have played three games now for two shootout wins and a loss which gives them four points and a percentage of 44.4. 4. New Zealand, they're struggling a little bit. They've had just the one shootout loss and three normal time losses, which gives them just the one point. They're on 8.3%. Uh, Argentina, the men, they've only played the one game. They had a loss um, and they're on zero points and zero percentage. But that's going to change very quickly over the next few weeks. And I'd say it's it's going to be... Probably after we get through at least half of the games before the table's going to start making some sort of sense. Although you can see it starting to form now. On to the, uh, the goal scorers now. And, uh, Hugo Inglis from New Zealand is still leading that tally. He's on four goals, three field goals, and a penalty stroke. Jacob Anderson, the young fella, number nine for Australia. He's picked up a goal on the weekend. Three field goals now from four games. He's doing all right. And uh, Thierry Brinkman picking up another goal on the weekend. And he's on three goals as well as several other players on three goals, two goals. It's a rather long list. Um, yeah, a rather long list. <laughs> uh, so far now... We'll talk about goal scoring actually after our little break because there's a couple of things that I want to talk about and a little bit of uh, audio there from Colin Batch to listen to as well. So we'll keep the goal scoring discussion for after the break. Let's get to some women's results now. And there was four games played over the weekend for the women. We kicked off in New Zealand at 5pm at the Nagapuna Wai Hockey Stadium it was New Zealand versus Germany. And once again, the Germans came out on top 3-1. Um, the New Zealand teams have been struggling at, at home a little bit, which is, is disappointing. A new coach there in charge of the New Zealand women. And they got off to a good start in the first minute when number six, Amy Robinson, got a field goal, leading 1-0 at quarter time were New Zealand. And they'd have been pretty stoked to have got a goal on the board let alone been leading the game at that stage uh, then into the second quarter uh, Germany started to take control of the match they scored in the 21st minute number 12 there Charlotte Stappenhorst and then uh, from a field goal in a penalty corner in the 29th minute number 24 is uh, Pierre Martins and she scored that goal took Germany into uh, the lead and into half-time at 2-1. The third period pretty much belonged to Germany. They scored a, a goal in the 40th minute. Number six from a penalty corner, Hannah Gablack. Uh, put them ahead 3-1 and there the scoreline was to stay until four, full time and once again like the Mets, men's game the statistics pretty much bear out the uh, the story of the game 23 circle entries to 14 in favour of Germany um, 3 penalty callers to none uh, 13 shots on target to 3 and a final possession rate of 52% to 48% including uh, in that uh, first quarter Despite conceding the goal, Germany had 66% of the possession to 34%. So a reasonably dominant performance, you would think, from the German girls there. And uh, they'd be happy to be taking away the points from that game once again, uh, not having been successful in the shootout against the Australians the week before. Next game up was well, the game here in Perth between Australia and Great Britain. It got underway at 5.30pm local time, which as we'll talk about soon is probably the best time to be playing hockey that and just a little bit later and uh, it was a very interesting game Australia led 1-0 at quarter time thanks to a goal from number 23 Calindy Cummerford. that was in the 15th minute just on quarter time there and then in the 23rd minute Australia managed to extend their lead number 24, Mariah Williams with a cracking shot at goal, a field goal and uh, we'll we'll hear some more from Mariah a little bit later on about that. And in uh, the 50th minute, after a very tense middle part of the game, you would say, um, number 32 for Australia, Savannah Pitt- Fitzpatrick, picked up a goal, uh, took them to the 3-0 lead, which they held to the end of the game. What would the coaches make out of it? Well, I mean, Great Britain were very much in the game. Possession-wise, 58% to 42%. Um, the Australians at times, especially in the the, the third and fourth quarters, had to defend very, very doggedly and it was uh, something I asked Paul Godoyne about after the game Paul, Great Britain came at you pretty hard in that second half, you must be happy with uh, the defensive efforts of the team, especially the um, commitment to a tackle they they, they stood up and didn't let the, the Great Britain players push past it much Pleasing to hear you he saying that. That's something I've been working on. Yeah, um, I think we weren't doing so well perhaps in the first four matches. Um, and it paid dividends today. And, yeah, they're, look, they're a good side and they will yeah. come at us at times. Um, and and uh, you know, resolute defence was, was excellent. Um, Bartram was good in the goal as well. And that's Paul Godoyne talking about the Australian defensive efforts uh, against Great Britain post-game there. And it must be said, they did defend very doggedly. And, and the Great Britain girls aren't far off it. Uh, perhaps didn't make the most of their chances. And, you know, uh, Mariah Williams' goal is an absolute cracker. They're just Sometimes you get them like that and there's not much you can do about it, unfortunately. Let's move on now to the... Next game for the weekend, the US were taking on Netherlands at Wake Forest University in Winston-Salem. Lovely part of the, the world that is too, around that area. It was a 7pm start and, uh well, it probably pretty well ended up as most people thought it would, a win to the Netherlands. Scoreline, well, when... You're that, as good as the Netherlands are. I'm not sure that you can read that much into score lines, actually. They won the game 5-0. They came out in the first period and absolutely went bang, bang, bang. 3-0 up. Uh, the fifth minute they got the scoring underway. It was number 12, Lydia Welton, who managed to get a field goal away and they followed that up with, uh, two more penalty corner goals before quarter time. Number 6, Lauren Lorink. Managed to score in the eighth minute and then in the eleventh minute, number 15, it was Frederik Matla who uh, slotted away the penalty corner. 3 0 at quarter time, the game was probably all over then, in fairness. But United States did stick at it, um, certainly after half time. The Netherlands managed to score two more goals before the half to take that 5 0 lead at half time. Uh, a, a field goal in the 17th minute just after the break to number eight. Uh, Marlowe's Keetles and then number 15 got in the act once again it was Frederick Matler with a, a penalty stroke this time in the 25th minute so a, a good double there to uh, Matler she'd be very happy about that uh, as far as the game goes there was new statistics and I haven't seen much of that at all apart from a couple of goals on the highlights so it's very difficult to talk much about that game I think a lot is reflected in the score line 5-0 uh, at half-time and same scoreline at full-time. We've seen that a few times from the Dutch, especially in the World Cup and Champions Trophies, where they come out and they go bang and they put the game by beyond you and then they just play hockey for a while. A lot has been made about squads that different teams have been choosing and blooding younger players and more experienced and better well-renowned players being left out of teams, etc. Uh, one thing about the Netherlands team, though, is they are coached by Alison Annan, and congratulations to Alison for her Coach of the Year gong. Uh, most well-deserved. Um, that's You know that her teams are going to come out ready to go, and that's what they do to you. If, if the United States side of things, well, they know where they stand. And the greater world scale of things. The Netherlands are undoubtedly the best women's team in the world at the moment. Um, and it gives you a, gives you a base to work from, if nothing else. Uh, 5-0, maybe it could have been more, maybe it could have been less. Uh, but it's no shade to be letting in five against the Dutch. They're an absolute machine. And I think, uh, like New Zealand, it's probably going to be a, a fairly hard road, the old Pro League for the United States, but uh, they've got another opportunity to qualify for the Olympics. They can get through as their continental champion. So, uh, you know, it'll be great experience for them, this competition, and um, I'm sure it's going to lead a lot of these players down the road to uh, greater performance. Uh, and finally, for the weekend, we rounded out back in New Zealand, where the New Zealand girls got on the winning side of things—a two-nil win over China. Um, goal scored in the 32nd minute to number four, uh, Olivia Mary, and Olivia doubled up again. That was a field goal with a penalty stroke in the 57th minute. Um, to make it a 2-0 scoreline. Uh, a couple of yellow cards involved there for the Chinese too. One thing I do like about the Chinese team is they do go hard in a tackle, which I think you've got to do at that level. You've got to be able to prepare to stand your ground. Uh, two yellow cards there, which uh, weren't helpful necessarily to their cause, but uh, looking at the uh, the score sheet, they didn't affect the... Uh, oh, well, actually, they did. Um, <laughs> Uh, B. Gu got a yellow card in the 31st minute and, uh, a goal went in in the 32nd minute, unfortunately, when that happens. Uh, but this interesting half-time, the nil-all, uh, nil-all was a score. Um, China had 57% of the possession against New Zealand's 43%. 19 circle entries to 13. However, only 9 shots on target to 14 shots on target in favour of New Zealand, that final, um, statistic there, yeah, uh, China in some quarters, over 60% of the possession, uh, but still couldn't manage to get a goal, I think, I quite rate China actually, I think uh, across the competition they might be the biggest improvers at all, because they've the games I've managed to see, or the bits of games, they've certainly been in it, They're, they haven't been blown off the park as such, and they just can't seem to get the goals in with... Uh, with the regularity that's going to be needed to uh, to win these sorts of games. And I think if they can tidy up their forward play a little bit, they're going to be a very, very hard team to beat, especially at home because I'm not sure how many teams are looking forward to travelling to China and not that China's a bad place to go or anything like that. It's going to be a long journey, a very long journey. Um, and, uh, it's a different place. A lot of players don't speak Chinese. So, uh, it'll be an interesting experience for them and, uh, wait to see how some of those results go once the European and Oceania and other teams hit, uh, China's shores. So that rounds out the women's games from the weekend. How does that leave the table? Well, Argentina topped the table at the moment. They're on 83% five points. They've uh, played only the two games, but uh, a win and a shootout win gives them those five points. Australia have played five games, uh, as have New Zealand, but they've managed to get three wins and a shootout win from their five games to give them 11 points. And uh, But they're only on 73.3%, so... Uh, I'm not sure what that actually means. we have to wait until everybody's caught up and played the same amount of games, I guess. The Netherlands... They're uh, on three games played. They have two wins and a loss, giving them a 66.7% percentage. Six points. Belgium, likewise, three games, two wins, and a loss on that 66.7%. Then Germany, from their two games, have had a win and a shootout loss for four points and 66.7%. New Zealand, five games played. They've had two wins. But they've had three losses and they've all come at home. So uh, they've got some work to do when they start hitting the road. They're on six points, which is at 40%. United States have had the two games for a shootout loss and a a, a straight loss. Uh, So just the one point for 16.7%. China, two games, yet to open their account on 0%. And Great Britain, um, they're on two games played, two losses and 0%, but I think that uh, win loss, win column will get a little bit bigger and start filling up very shortly. I think that team is uh, going to improve greatly as the tournament goes on. Goal scorers, just quickly, Olivia Mary's Topping the pack there, she scored three field goals, penalty corner, a penalty stroke for a top of five. She leads the goal scoring across both men and women at the moment. Savannah Fitzpatrick picked up another goal at the weekend to go to two goals. And uh, Hannah Granitsky from Germany has two penalty corners and there's a slew of players on one or two goals after that. We'll give the top three every week. As I said, more about goals very, very shortly. In fact, after this break now a little bit of silence here folks well hopefully in the future it won't be silence these are the little breaks we're putting into the program where people can play commercials fingers crossed uh what we want to try and do is develop this concept so that we can be able to offer it to commercial radio stations and broadcasters everywhere and um, try and spread the word uh, a lot of what we do is a, a community i call preaching to the congregation we're always very insular looking and i think we've got to start looking outside of the box and preaching to the wider sporting community there's plenty of sporting nuffies around that just love sport and they're not there that concerned about what it is uh, and we've got to start talking to those people and others we convert them to our great game so you'll notice in the next few weeks until we actually do get some commercials to go in there uh, that there'll be little gaps in the program we may at times even throw some um, quality reverse stick humor in there if enough people don't tell us not to but let's get back to the program if you are a um, a commercial type sponsor or you'd be interested in running advertisements let us know we're happy to talk to you Uh, you can send an email John at the reverse stick or Matt at the reverse stick he's probably the better one to talk business to actually Uh, either of us will do and we'll uh, get in touch and talk to you about ways you can get involved and uh, spread the word of hockey You're listening to Totally Pro League. This is hockey. And welcome back to the show. Uh, Mentioned before, we'd be talking some more about goal scorers and um, Colin Batch uh, from Post Game. Um, uh, We didn't specifically ask him about goal scoring, we're we're asking about the the way the tournament's set up, but uh, he, right at the very end of it, has said something very interesting. Have a listen. Well in tournament everything's rush, 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 you know, you hardly have a chance to de before you go on to the next match, here you've got a whole week and sometimes two weeks, so it is um, more like, you know, what we would expect if we were playing the winter competition where you play on weekends and you've got all week to prepare and build up and, and train, it. so that's the difference at the moment. Um, but you know we've seen some heavy scoring, and I, I was talking to some uh, the press earlier in the week, and, uh, and I said oh, I think that'll balance itself out. We saw that today. Whether that continues or not, I'm not sure. Interesting point there you made about the goal scoring and and how this uh, league's developing, and you know, as people come to terms with what it means and how it works. Uh, Going back to the statistics there, for the women, uh, we mentioned that their goal-scoring average was way down on the men, but it's uh, remained across after those four games across the weekend roughly the same, about 3.3. In fact, I think it might have gone up fractionally. I think it was about 3.18 or something last week. They've scored 43 goals across the 13 games played, 27 field goals, 13 penalty corners, and three penalty strokes. For the men... Things have dropped slightly. There was only the, uh, three games played across the weekend. Uh, but after 12 games, they've scored 77 goals in the men's competition, 59 field goals, 17 penalty corners, and just the one penalty stroke. And that, uh, those, just those three games have managed to drop the average down to 6.4 goals a game. So it'll be interesting to see, as Colin says, will the competition Develop to the point where those goals start to dry up. We'll keep an eye eye on that and that average because that's uh, nearly a whole goal per match average drop over just those three games. Anyway, it was just something that came across, came to my eye. Have to have to wait and see how that all turns out. Now. um, when we're speaking of goals we mentioned Mariah Williams before uh and her goal uh, this is what she thought about it a lot of the pundits in the uh the audience it must be said uh, were quite struck by it and um Many of them were glad they weren't standing there. It's been a long break off, for you? Now you come back, you can't stop scoring goals? (laughs) I wouldn't say can't stop, but I don't want to stop. So, yeah, it's been a long time out, but happy to be back out there. Uh, Somebody suggested to me in the crowd that you make a pretty good cricketer as well with uh, with the finish that you had today. Yeah, it was a cricket shot, wasn't it? But I never played cricket, so... We don't need to, (laughs) either. No, stay with hockey. hockey It was a cracking shot, and do stay with hockey, Mariah. We need as many hockey players as we can get, and uh, she's a very good one. Now, I do love mentoring the fixtures, because I believe that one of the uh, the key components of making this competition a success will be the fixturing, and I'll reiterate the fact that I don't want to sound like I'm having a crack at the fixturing as it stands, because it would be a nightmare to try and organise, and uh, it's going to take some time to settle down, perhaps... If the competition lasts that long, two or three years, before we actually come to some sort of fixturing that is starting to suit everybody, and I'm not talking about um, you know issues like oh, I had to wake up at four o'clock in the morning to watch my team play. Well, you're in a global competition, and that's going to happen sometimes. You're having to do that to wake uh, for one game, uh, not a whole tournament. So bear that in mind, and it's going to work that way sometimes for people. Uh, some of the fixturing issues that came out of the weekend they were talking to members of the crowd was the fact that women 's games are be playing before the men's now oh, I know I could get into trouble on this subject. My stated personal opinion is I don't care uh, it doesn't worry me either way you want to play the men's first, the women's first, whatever you want. we've got two games of hockey uh, but for some people they felt that uh, there's something about the um, the energy. I suppose you'd call it, of the men's game that was noticeably different from the women's game when the men play first. And almost as if there was a little bit of a huh, come out of the game. Uh, that's not my opinion, but it was certainly an opinion that was very prevalent in the crowd. They would much rather have seen the men play after the women, not before. Something worthwhile maybe to take on I'd like to know what other people think And what you out there think Whether it makes any difference whatsoever John At the stick Dot net Send us an email Let us know your opinion Or get on the socials The reverse stick At Twitter Or Facebook Or apparently Instagram But I'm not that tech savvy enough That's Matt's side of things um, Yeah So we'd like to know what you think Is is that the way we should be going Men before women Women before men Does it not make any difference Such as in my case Not really bothering Love to know what you think But certainly amongst the crowd on the weekend That was a thought And also the timing of the games Many thought that uh, 3.30 Although that's a, um, a traditional start time Here in WA for hockey That's a traditional winter start time uh, Many in the crowd thought that the the women's game should have been played at the same time at the 5.30 time slot sun's just started to go down the heat's come off the day any of you that saw the vision it it was a wonderful fantastic atmosphere and then following the women's game the men would come on round about 7pm just after 7 o'clock uh, full game under lights, gorgeous conditions. It would have been too, just the perfect temperatures. Uh, that was a feeling of many in the crowd that we were just slightly early. Now I'm not sure what that's driven by, whether the broadcaster drives that, the F.I.H. Hockey Australia, whoever does it. Um, I'm just, I'm just a messenger. These, these were the voices from the crowd and the people we were talking to that just seemed to think that the fixturing was slightly off. And once again, I'd like to hear from people across the globe about how the fixturing is in their countries. I mean, it seems odd to us here in Australia that they would be playing games at 11 o'clock in Spain, 11 a.m. in the morning. But for the Spanish, that may be absolutely the thing to do. Of course, why not? Why wouldn't you? Um, so we'd like to hear those opinions because they're, they're very much the regional differences and the regional quirks are very much what's going to drive the um, the whole pro league uh, fixturing debate, you'd think. Uh, just to give you an example, for me, it's easier to watch the games overseas sometimes than it is the games in my own country. Uh, the games featuring in Sydney in a couple of weeks time, uh, they're on at 3pm local time in Sydney, which will be midday here for me in Perth, which is, uh, a lunchtime. <laughs> three hours away. And, there's, there's certain pressures come on a person during the middle of the day, on the weekend, uh, especially from partners and uh, people who want you to do gardening, etc. So for me, it far suits me to be watching the games coming from overseas at 8.30 at night when I can lock myself in the shed and not be disturbed. That's just my experience of the fixed drink. Um, and there's nothing I could do about it. I've just got to suck it, don't I? Uh, but I'd like to hear what your... Um, your experiences of the fixed rings are given of course that occasionally you're going to have to stay up late or get up early to catch a game when it's your turn to be in another country. (laughs) Just another one of those quiet bits folks where you can slot Your commercial advertisement, sponsor announcement, anything you like. Send us an email, john at thereversedick.net or matt at thereversedick.net. You're listening to Totally Pro League. Time now to take a quick look at what's coming up in uh, this weekend's games. Just the two games for the men. They're both happening at Senard in Buenos Aires. It's uh, Argentina taking on Germany and the Netherlands. The first game on the Friday will be played at 7pm. That's the 22nd, 7pm local time. That's Argentina playing Germany. Uh, Almost a local derby, that one. Boom, boom. one for the history buffs on Sunday the 24th of the 2nd this time slightly earlier and an understandable fixturing for a Sunday afternoon evening Friday go out afterwards Sunday might have work tomorrow so a little bit earlier you can still have a couple after the game Argentina versus the Netherlands. And they should be a pair of ripping games, and the Argentinian women would be looking forward to that game uh, to try and consolidate themselves at that top positions. Two wins there would uh, really keep that percentage boosted and have everybody chasing them. For uh, the Germans and the Dutch, well, uh, the Dutch and the Germans are both sitting in that mid-table position at the moment. Who knows? Every point's important, isn't it? Every game you play is important and you've got to scrape and scrounge as many as you possibly can to get one of those top four berths for Olympic qualification and especially so for the European teams. I think it means much more than them than it does for uh, a country like Australia, that's for sure. Now, squeezed in between those two games are the Friday, uh, Argentina versus Germany and on the Sunday, it's Argentina versus Netherlands. uh, Squeezed in between... Great Britain will be taking on China at Wujin Hockey Stadium in Shenzhou, Um And we asked Mark Hager what his expectations for the tournament were. China up next for you. Yeah, good luck to the girls. I'm unfortunately not going on that one. Um, I have to head back to Auckland to try and sort out my work visa. So I said to them, oh, they'll probably win that one next week. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they'll probably win that one too. Oh, look, it's going to be a big test for the Great Britain girls. China at home are going to be a very stern test. They've flown straight out of here from Perth on Monday and they're flying straight up to China. And Changzhou is not exactly uh, the hub of Chinese activity. It's a bit of a travel to get out there. It's a journey. So uh, it'll be a great experience for them. Um, I'm not sure if they'll be able to get that win, though. It's going to be a close game. They were very good here in Perth last week, but the Chinese are not far off it, and at home it might just be uh, the boost they need. So looking forward to those games. I'm really looking forward to seeing the the Argentinian games there. That's uh, very much going to help shape the tournament. In many ways, those games as certainly the early stage of the tournament. So uh, keep your eye out for your broadcaster. If you can't get it because no one's broadcasting in your country, you can always go to FIH.Live. They're all up there on FIH.Live, live games, which is fantastic if you haven't got access to a, a local broadcaster for them. Um, Many people are getting great coverage of the Pro League through their local broadcasters. Matt Allen will have a little bit to say in this week's edition of The Reverse Stick about the job that's being done in our country by our host broadcaster. Although as far as production goes, they've done a tremendous job and um, all of the commentary and and most of the action I've seen across the Pro League from all of the host broadcasters has, has been really good. So hopefully we can keep it up and you know, provide a product for the rest of the sporting world that they're going to love and enjoy and generate some interest in our great game. That's it for this week's edition of Totally Pro League. Yes, there will be a guest host with me next week. You won't have to listen to my voice for over half an hour. Um, we'll also might try and slip in some rolled gold, TRS advertisements, something like that. And, uh, enjoy your weekend of hockey ahead.